Hail and well met, everybody. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a show by nerds, for nerds, who love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather. I'm Russell. And we'll be your hosts for this journey through the wondrous land of information. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. So, this week you get another solo episode. I'm sorry to say mine and Russ's recording schedules didn't line up great. Hopefully the next few episodes you'll get both of us for quite a while, but we're do- we're doing the best we can and we want to make sure we're still putting out content for you. So this week you just get me, but you get an episode, so it's a trade-off. This week, as you can see from the title of the episode, I'm going to be talking about the real Christopher Columbus. And I don't mean like the real Slim Shady, someone's hiding behind him or pretending to be him. I mean the Christopher Columbus that doesn't get portrayed as clearly up until recent years in media and the Christopher Columbus the way he actually was, or at least the way history tells us he actually was, as opposed to the more sugar-coated version that you get when you're a little kid. You know, we all know, or at least anyone from the U.S. knows the poem In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. It's not wrong. He did sail the ocean in 1492 and before and after. However, the sugar-coated version that we get when we're kids isn't really so much exactly what happened. Christopher Columbus was born sometime before October 31st in 1451, It's so long ago that it's hard to really give you his exact birthday, and when he was born, he wasn't famous and his family wasn't exactly super rich, so it's not like anyone actually bothered keeping track like they do for nobles. Um, What we do know is that he was an Italian-born explorer. Specifically, his birth name uh, we know was Cristofa Corombo, And I don't speak Italian, so I'm just assuming you say it similarly to Spanish. I apologize if I got that wrong. And he was um, an explorer and a navigator. He wasn't from a noble house, and he wasn't actually extremely well educated. However, he went to sea and traveled all over and became known as being a very uh, skilled explorer and navigator, and therefore was able to go on these expeditions. And he actually married a noblewoman, even though he himself was not noble. So that's interesting. He married a noblewoman named Filipa Moniz Perestrello, and she was Portuguese, and then later had a mistress. They both bore him sons. So that tells you something right there, too. Not only did he cheat on his wife, but he also treated a lot of people very badly. So moving forward in time to the thing that he is most famous for, quote-unquote, discovering the Americas. Here's the thing, though. He wasn't trying to discover America. This is something that I think we get taught, but it doesn't necessarily get gone over in great detail. When he went to the king and queen of Spain, to Queen Isabella I and King Ferdinand II, and they agreed to sponsor his journey— They weren't sponsoring his journey because they thought he was going to find the Caribbean and the Bahamas, which is basically where he landed. They sponsored him because they thought he would be able to find them a path across the oceans to get to the Far East, to get to China and Japan and those countries and India, to get spices and things. They were trying to find a route 
that didn't require them to go through land for various reasons. The land was occupied by other groups. People might, you know, attack their caravans. It was not an easy pass to go through because there were mountains in the way for some of the travel, things like that. So they were trying to find a sea uh, pathway, basically, to get to the far east and do trade. He thought he could find one if he headed west from Spain. Uh, Now, nowadays, of course, people know there is a pathway through because down in Panama, we have the Panama Canal that was built and allows people to pass through from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean. But without that passageway, the only route that Christopher Columbus could have taken would have been if he'd sailed all the way down around the bottom of South America then he would have been able to get from one ocean to the other. However, he was looking for a much shorter route and he went straight across. And that's why he landed in sort of the the islands that are below North America. Now, he gets credited as discovering America, which he honestly didn't. But that's actually another episode of Geek Thyself. He discovered not sort of America proper, I would say. What he discovered were some of the Caribbean islands, and then later he did travel to Central America, so places like Panama. And I don't, I'd have to double check my notes. I don't believe he went to Panama specifically. Um, And he also traveled to South America later as well. But initially, that's not what he was setting out to do. They were hoping to profit from a lucrative spice trade, and he was hoping to find an easier way across the ocean, like I said, Um, to get to the East Indies as opposed to having to go all the way around and the, you know, a much longer route. Now, as we are taught, he had his three ships, the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria. That is something that kind of, I don't know that it is as much anymore, but I know when I was a kid, um, forever ago, I don't even want to say the year, but forever ago, when I was a kid, they taught Um, much more strongly, I would say, that Columbus, quote-unquote, discovered America, and it was a much bigger deal. Nowadays, over time, people have become more and more aware, so you may already be aware as you're listening to this episode, that Christopher Columbus was really not that great of a person, and in fact uh, treated the indigenous people that he found on the islands he landed on incredibly badly incredibly badly, and also wasn't very good at running things in general. When he did make his way over here, the first place that he actually landed was an island in the Bahamas. At the time, the native inhabitants called it Guanahani, and again, I apologize if I'm butchering that, which I very well might be. However, he changed the name to San Salvador, so it it didn't keep its original name. He also subsequently visited other islands, um, which became Cuba, as well as Hispaniola. And he established a colony in the land that is now known as Haiti. So he did go to all those islands. However, he was not the first European to create a settlement in the Americas. And we're counting the Bahamas and Caribbean area as sort of part of the greater North America, South America area. Um, He didn't land on either land proper at that visit, but he did establish a colony in Haiti. And at 
for a long time, it was thought to be the first European settlement over here in the North America, South America area. However, more recently, uh, a lot of information has been discovered about the fact that there were actually Norse colonies established further up in North America proper. Um, in particular, there have been evidence of Norse colonies in places like Newfoundland and um, up and down the eastern seaboard here and there. I did an entire episode on it uh, about Vikings in North America in a previous Geek Thyself season, but they have found evidence now that they actually are the very first Europeans who found their way to America and made any sort of a colony. So technically, he didn't discover America, the Vikings did. But that's just one of many things that he gets credit for that he really doesn't deserve credit for. Now, he made some more subsequent uh, voyages to the what's considered the New World, and amongst them visited other places like Central America and South America. And many of the names, um, especially islands that he gave names to, have maintained those names. Um, they're all over the place, and it's one of the reasons why some of those islands and places there have such European and Spanish-sounding names, even before they were colonized uh, fully. He also, uh, as far as we know from history, never really clearly renounced the idea that he had actually reached the Far East, which is concerning. Uh, he never actually denounced the idea that he got there. Instead, he referred to the indigenous people that he did discover as Indians, which is also, unfortunately, one of the reasons why Native Americans here in the U.S. were referred to as Indians for so long. There was a European mindset that the indigenous peoples were all just Indians in general. Now, obviously, nowadays we don't use that terminology. We refer to them as Native Americans, which is definitely more accurate since they were here first. But regardless, he didn't know that. He assumed he'd reached the Far East when he first got there. And to be fair, the indigenous people were of a darker complexion. So to a certain extent, you could excuse that maybe he really did think he'd gotten there at least initially. But the language is different, the spices are different, the plants are different. Like, clearly he was not in the right area, or maybe he thought he was discovering a brand new one. But either way, he hadn't discovered the area he thought he had. And in fact, he was such a poor governor, because he governed the colony for a long time. He was so bad um, at it, and he was actually accused of significant brutality by his contemporaries. So his peers and the other people that were in the colony accused him of being so brutal that he wasn't appropriate to be the leader and he was removed from the post. This definitely strained his relationship with the crown back in Spain and they subsequently arrested him and removed him from Hispaniola in 1500. Now um, he also then started into a very long litigation process where he basically he and his heirs i should say basically sued the crown of spain saying that they were owed benefits because of him discovering these areas and taking them west and all of this information um it also his particular voyage kicked off something that is unfortunate which was a huge 
series of expeditions and a large period of exploration, conquest, and colonization that lasted for many centuries. It did help to create the Western world that you and I know now. So it did lead to the creation of countries like the United States and the different countries in Central America and South America. However, the processes that happened and the atrocities that happened to the indigenous people because of that colonization are extremely unfortunate. And it's one of the reasons why I personally refuse to celebrate Columbus Day as Columbus Day because I don't think he deserves it. Not only did he not set out what he was not do what he was setting out to do because he didn't discover the Far East, he also was horribly brutal to the indigenous people and treated them just incredibly wrongly. He led sort of kicked off this period of time where Europeans went all over the world and decided because we're Europeans, because we think we're more educated, we're going to take over and rule all of these different lands and they're going to become our property. These people are our property. And honestly, in some cases, the people weren't even treated like humans. They were just treated like animals and literal property. Slaves is a perfect example. And so everything that happened after his initial voyage and the way he portrayed the people when he went back, the way he treated them when he was there, just all of it is not good. And if you really dig deep into the research, there's all sorts of information about the things that happened. And I'm going to go into some of it, but this is a family-friendly podcast for the most part. So I'm not going to go into, you know, great detail. And uh, with that, I am going to go ahead and go into our mid-roll and I will be back with some more historical information after the break. All right, everyone, welcome to the mid-roll. So I want to start off by talking about our amazing sponsors. We talk about them every time we have an episode, but World Anvil. WorldAnvil.com is an amazing website and campaign management tool that you should definitely go check out. Whether you are a dungeon master or game master running a game and you want to flesh out your world for your players, or if you're an author, you can also use it to flesh out the world that you have created for your readers. And it has amazing features, things that let you link the characters back and forth and put in types of relationships. You can create tables to explain different information, which is especially helpful for campaign management. And it's such a robust programming and software management, or excuse me, and campaign management tool that they actually won an any award for it. So it's definitely something you should go check out, worldanvil.com. I also want to talk about Die Hard Dice. Usually Russ talks about Die Hard Dice, but that doesn't mean I don't think they are amazing. So Die Hard Dice can be found at dieharddice.com. They have all sorts of beautiful combinations of colors. They've got gorgeous metal dice. And some of my favorite dice they have there are actually metal, but instead of making all the corners sharp, they blunted them so that they don't leave huge dents in your table, which is fantastic. In addition, they're great quality. The people there are amazingly nice and they're constantly coming out with new and just incredibly gorgeous color patterns for you to go check out. So it's dieharddice.com. And if you use code Goonies, excuse me, Goonies is my other show that you can use the code for. But if you use code Geek Thyself, you get 15% off your first or your next purchase. It's a one-time use code, 
But, as I just mentioned, other shows on the network also have codes, so if you listen in closely, you might be able to catch one, and then you could get a discount on another order. Just saying. And with that, let's get back to our topic. Alright, so as I've mentioned, welcome back by the way, Columbus did not treat the indigenous people very well. And there's actually an uh, excerpt from his journal in October of 1492. He wrote about the native people and his reaction to them. And this particular passage is not necessarily inherently extremely negative. He's not saying anything that is outright incredibly awful about the way he is going to be treating the people other than taking some of them with him. But the tone of the message, the words he chooses to use, and the way he describes them is very telling, in my opinion, if you listen closely. Here's the passage. Please keep in mind this is literally his words and not mine. Many of the men I have seen have scars on their bodies, and when I made signs to them to find out how this happened, they indicated that people from other islands come to San Salvador to capture them. They defend themselves the best they can. I believe that people from the mainland come here to take them as slaves. They ought to make good and skilled servants, for they repeat very quickly whatever we say to them. I think they can very easily be made Christians, for they seem to have no religion. If it pleases our Lord, I will take six of them to your highnesses when I depart, in order that they may learn our language. So, for anyone who didn't catch it as I was reading through that, there are several things that are very concerning and very telling about this. For one thing, he mentions that he thinks the mainland people are taking them as slaves. He doesn't say anything about this being bad. He just says, I think they're being made into slaves, which he immediately follows with saying, I think they'll make good servants. And he did, in fact, enslave many of the indigenous people. And he practically wiped out all of the people on um, the original islands that he landed on. Not all through his own actions. Some of it he couldn't really help because back then they didn't understand germs, they didn't understand diseases. No one understood that all of these Europeans bringing diseases from Europe would therefore decimate the population because the population in the islands didn't have any immunity to those viruses and diseases. So consequently, you know, they almost completely wiped out several of those groups. Not entirely their fault directly. Well, I guess kind of directly because they brought the diseases with them, but they didn't do that part on purpose, I will say, at least in their defense. Still did a lot of bad things, but they didn't purposely bring disease with them. Okay, so one thing they did do, though, is purposely set up a settlement. On one of his voyages, um, specifically the second one in 1494, well, 1493 to 1496, uh, he established... Well, he named several islands as he was going through them. And then he also established a colony. And unfortunately, this didn't work out great for the people that were on the island. There was a lot of disease. The settlers got diseases from the natives just as much as the natives got diseases from the settlers. So you can imagine how well that went for everybody. Because no one had immunity to the other person's diseases and it just bounced all over the place back and forth. There's a native uh, account from a Nahuatl member 
um, who talked about the social breakdown during the time when there was a lot of disease and famine in amongst the Spanish settlers and their uh, settlements and their group. A great many died from this plague and many others died of hunger. They could not get up to search for food and everyone else was too sick to care for them. So they starved to death in their beds. So the conditions were not great for the nat natives or for the Spanish settlers, honestly. Although I definitely, definitely would say that it was worse for the Native Americans and the Native indigenous peoples that were on those islands. One of the things that happened is that there were people in the settlement who Columbus basically, as the leader at the time, said, okay, you guys, his, the person's name was Marguerite, Marguerite, you are going to go ahead and get all of these natives Christian, Christianized, you know, punish them if you catch them stealing. Specifically, he was supposed to cut off part of their noses and ears if they were caught stealing. But go ahead and get them Christianized. We need to get them, you know, basically, quote unquote, less savage. But instead of doing that, what happened is that Margaret took his soldiers and they exploited the natives completely. They were beating them, raping them, enslaving them, all of the awful things, and they didn't bother trying to baptize them. Now, granted, this was someone under Columbus's control who had instigated these things. However, there's a lot of evidence that he participated in at least some of it. And on top of that, there's the fact that if all of the troops around him were doing this, or at least the majority of them, you know, how did he not see this? If he was really a good person and wanted to stop it, how did he not see this? Unfortunately, most of the evidence points to the fact that he probably didn't consider the native indigenous peoples to be worthy of that. He saw them more as servants and slaves, and so he didn't care. Which is why I don't celebrate his holiday. Okay, and unfortunately, it doesn't stop there. Um, the people were treated often as slaves and there were quotas that they were supposed to meet for bringing in gold and goods. The problem is one of the things that they wanted more than anything when they were trying to find these land routes to get to Asia was gold and riches and spices and things like that. And in particular, they expected to find gold. You know, there, you may have heard of the old legend of the city of El Dorado the city of gold and they expected to find one they thought there was one and so anytime they went to these places they were looking for the gold constantly the problem is most of these islands didn't actually have that much gold especially the islands there was a lot of gold in Mexico and Central America here and there but there was hardly any on these islands so there's no way the islanders could make their quota that was expected of them and therefore they were enslaved or punished depending on who was there at the time they were also sold into slavery and unfortunately Columbus fell ill in 1495 now at this point he still had a little bit of control over everyone in the settlement but not a whole lot However, as soon as he fell ill, all the restraint that he had over his men completely disappeared. And they basically just went crazy. They started um, 
going through the natives, they were, they went wild. They were stealing, they were killing, raping, and torturing. And they didn't care that they were doing this to the people because they were trying to force them to divulge the whereabouts of a lot of gold, wherever they were storing the gold. The thing is, there really wasn't that much gold. So they, even if they'd wanted to, they couldn't have told these Spanish settlers where it was because it didn't exist. Of course, the Span- they wouldn't have believed that. They didn't believe them. They thought the natives were lying to them. They didn't understand why the natives wouldn't want to hide their gold. Now, anyone who's listened to our episodes and, you know, has studied history ever is going to, of course, understand why the natives didn't want the gold. Gold is very soft metal. You can't make weapons out of it that are very effective. You can't make tools out of it that are very effective. It really would have served no purpose other than uh, some ornamentation for the native indigenous peoples. And they didn't have that much of it anyway. But the Europeans didn't see it that way. And so unfortunately, they were not treated well. Now, one might have hoped that when Columbus recovered from his illness, he would try to get his men under control. Instead, what he did was organize their efforts in what they were doing, and he had several hundred heavily armed men and attack dogs hunt down and kill natives who tried to flee. Now, keep in mind these native people, these indigenous people, were fleeing from being raped and tortured and killed. And he sent armed men and dogs to hunt them. So, uh, we're winding down to the end of this episode. And after telling you all of these things and explaining all of these reasons why really Christopher Columbus is not someone we should be celebrating. He didn't technically discover the Americas. And he gets a lot of credit for things that he probably shouldn't get credit for. As well as a lot of sort of whitewashing of history. Um, not in a colorism kind of way, but just in a people like to remember him for the good things and they're kind of ignoring everything that he did to the indigenous people. So I guess in that way it is sort of, you know, a a color or a race-based concern. Um, But yeah, he was not a good person. He was really not a good person and I refuse to celebrate him. So on the day that is normally set aside for Columbus Day, um, quite a while ago now, it first, first sort of popped up in 1989. Um, people started talking about Indigenous Peoples Day instead of Christopher Columbus Day. It is celebrated on the same day. However, um, in 1992, in Berkeley, California, they purposely decided we are no longer going to celebrate Christopher Columbus Day. We're going to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day. And they did it to coincide with the 500th anniversary of his arrival in the islands of the Americas back in 1492. A few years later, um, still in California, Santa Cruz also instituted the holiday. And um, there's a lot of other places that have since then. Now, I'm from California, So I am very familiar with the idea of Indigenous Peoples Day. I'm not from Berkeley or Santa Cruz, but I did grow up in the Bay Area of California, which is actually pretty much between those two places. (laughs) I grew up in a place called San Jose, which is somewhere between Santa Cruz and Berkeley. 
And so I'm, I grew up hearing about Indigenous Peoples Day. And on top of that, there's also the fact that California itself, while I'm not going to say anywhere is perfect, California history, if you go through it, there are a lot of times where people that were not of European descent were not treated very well. There's a lot of it, a whole lot of it. However, nowadays, for the most part, California does try to be more equal and promotes equality for the most part. There's always going to be pockets of exception. There's not everyone's going to agree on everything ever. That's just the way life is, unfortunately. However, a lot of cities here have instituted Indigenous Peoples Day instead of Christopher Columbus Day. And on top of that, there are a lot of the California missions from when the um, Mexican and Spanish uh, settlers were taking over in the area and created a lot of missions, which they would then use to promote Christianity and to sort of de-native the indigenous people of the area. And that particular part of history is taught in California classrooms quite heavily. There's a whole bunch of times that aside for it, and there's usually um, mission projects uh, where everyone takes a mission and does an in-depth look into the history of it and talks about it for class and that kind of thing. It is something that's done here. And so I am very familiar with the idea of Native Americans or Indigenous peoples, depending on where you are referring to, being treated poorly and being forced to accept a more European idea of what isn't and is savage and the brutality that can go along with it. It is something that we are taught. Now we're taught as children, so they leave out some of the information about the really bad brutality, but it is still talked about. It's still mentioned. And so for me, the idea of Indigenous Peoples Day has always been something that I supported. Now there's also the fact that I am, of course, a person of color. Anyone who may have seen pictures of me online, you'll notice that I don't necessarily present very strongly as being a person of color, but my mother is Japanese-American. She's full-blooded Japanese-American, um, and so I am half Japanese and half Caucasian in my, you know, bloodline. And so I feel very strongly. I am not Native American. I am not an indigenous race that had these things happen to my, you know, my ancestors. However, Japanese Americans in particular know that things did happen to us, did happen to our, you know, in my case, my grandparents during World War II, which while not on the same level, like it wasn't on a genocidal level the way it was for Native Americans by any means, and the Japanese Americans weren't forced onto reservations for the rest of their existence. However, for at least a period of time, they did experience something that was along the same lines, if not as, if, if even if it wasn't as bad as what was experienced by the Native Americans. So I feel very strongly on the subject and have a whole lot of opinions, many of which I censored for this episode. Uh, though, if you'd like to hear more of them, I would be happy to tell you on Twitter. If you go to Twitter and um, ask me about them, I, you can tag me. I'm at amethyst underscore magic with a CK. 
I'd be happy to tell you all about the internment camps and my problems with them during World War II. But I digress. I, ta- I went on a tangent, <laughs> even without Russ. <laughs> so, um, I, I fully support Indigenous Peoples Day. I think everyone should, especially given the true history of Christopher Columbus that I have just gone over with you. Now, obviously, he himself at the time probably didn't think he was that bad a guy. He thought he was doing something great for the crown and for his people. But looking back on history, I think most people would agree that despite his one minor success, which in which he honestly didn't even actually do what he was attempting to do, he was not a good person. He was not a good leader. He got lucky. And then his luck equaled disaster for many, many, many indigenous people in the the area he found. And for that reason, I celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day and not Christopher Columbus Day. And I fully encourage you to do so as well. If you want more information on Christopher Columbus and the things that actually happened when he was colonizing and everything, they do still have parts of his journal and passages have been used to, you know, look back at what happened. There were a lot of um, other settlers who had various accounts, some of which have survived history. So there are first hand accounts of what happened as well as some from the native indigenous people that I like the one I mentioned earlier where he was talking about you know the Nahotal uh, indigenous person was talking about the things he had seen when all of the settlers were sick and there was also you know everyone else was sick too and there was no one to go find food or anything so there's a lot of accounts that still exist today that can give you a very very in-depth look at the kinds of things that were happening and why if you've been celebrating Christopher Columbus Day you might want to rethink that and with that I'm going to call this episode good and hopefully two weeks from now when our next episode comes out Russ and I will have been able to record together but if not you will hear either myself or Russ talking about a new fun topic or at least informative and with that I will Talk to you guys in two weeks. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Geek Thyself. Don't forget to check out all the other amazing content on the Nerdsmith Network. If you have any questions for either of us, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at geek underscore thyself. You can also email us at geekthyself at nerdsmith.org. And please don't forget to go to iTunes and leave us a review or also go anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun episode. And until then, don't forget to geek thyself. Bye.